Today's story is Mr. Livingston, written by Marion Johnson. Dear Mr. Livingston, often solely occupied in matters that bring such a lively income to our estate. My good sir, I write you at this time imploring you to return home at once, for we have been visited by a great darkness at Whipper Tetcher Estate. I shall recount to you the events of the last three days with as much accuracy as I can manage under the circumstances. It began with a knock on the door and a strange girl begging for shelter. She was but a little thing, perhaps ten years of age, drenched from the storm that tore across the land. Mrs. Livingston insisted that she enter. Miss Devois and I fixed the little one's supper. Mrs. Livingston supped for her, inquiring as to her name and why she was in this part of the country at night. The girl ate quietly, knobby little hands, quivering. Answering nothing, she only stared into her bowl of soup like a looking glass. I remember her reminding me of the little black rat that stole into the kitchen last week. When the child finally spoke, her voice chimed off the glasses at the table. Do you not remember, mother? Whatever do you mean, child? Speak your name. You never gave me a name. Miss Devois and I stared at another, quite baffled. Mrs. Livingston's face paled. She frantically pushed herself up from the table. Who are you? Who sent you? Tell me this instant, child. Which of my cruel neighbors has sent you to torment me this way? You know who I am, mother. Why do you call me that? Why do you call me mother? Oh, wicked child. Naughty child. Mrs. Livingston wrung her hands, tearing the napkin from her neck. Miss Devois and I knew not what to do with ourselves in this moment, for we stood paralyzed betwixt curiosity and bewilderment, my good sir. Having served you for many years, I've known your wife's barren state. I've watched Miss Dubois wash bloody garments month after month since the two of you wed ten years ago. Surely, the little villain was playing in a scheme, egged on by cruel neighbors who have been suspicious of your childless marriage. An evil thing indeed to do in return for such hospitality offered by the good Mrs. Livingston. I have no child. I have no child. Your wife clamped her hands over her mouth. Tell them, mother. I rushed forward to seize the little thing as Mrs. Livingston was in hysterics, violently weeping into her palms. Tell them who I am. It's not possible. Mrs. Livingston sobbed. I grabbed the girl by her shoulders and pulled her towards the door in the entryway. The little creature drew her neck back and spat in my face. Miss Dubois rushed to Mrs. Livingston's side, fanning the distraught woman. I opened the front door and pushed the girl out into the rain. You shan't return to bother Mrs. Livingston again. Run along now, you wicked thing. The girl turned. Lightning and thunder shattered the chorus of the pattering rain. The lightning illuminated the girl's black eyes into the most hateful red. How my soul quaked at those eyes. I slammed the door and crossed myself at once. I returned to the dining room to find Miss Dubois counseling your Mrs. Livingston. We put her to bed with a cross and a prayer, pleading the dear Lord to guard against the demons that haunt her sleep. Miss Dubois and I extinguished each candle throughout the house, whispering in our hearts as the soft glow vanished between our fingertips. Sleep seemed to dampen the previous night's horrors, for in the morning, Miss Dubois and I cheerfully set about making our Mrs. Livingston's breakfast as pleasant as ever. A hot pot of tea, 
and shortbread were served beside a poached egg. Miss Dubois retrieved flowers for a centerpiece, placing the lovely little blues in a vase on the table. We waited patiently for our lady to emerge from her room. We reheated the pot of tea twice while waiting. Mrs. Livingston didn't enter the dining hall until nearly 10. Her usual gaiety covered wrinkles of exhaustion. Her normally kempt bun hung in disarray, sipping her tea without the usual deliberation accompanying her movements. Finally, without turning her gaze from the vase, said, Those are lovely flowers, Miss Dubois. They're not the usual, though. Pray and tell me what they're called. Forget-me-nots. Mrs. Livingston stopped the teacup inches from her lips. What? What did you say? Forget-me-nots, madam. Mrs. Livingston spat. Where did you discover them? Where did they come from? Why, they must have sprung up within the last few days, madam. They're growing all over the grass in front of the house. Your wife's face turned a ghastly white. I want them all out. Mrs. Livingston rose rigidly, throwing her napkin down onto her plate, leaving the shortbread untouched. Yes, madam, I didn't mean... Throw them out. Miss Dubois quickly whisked away the vase. I followed Mrs. Livingston to the front room, where she had yanked open the drapes. I caught her as she stumbled back, gasping. Forget-me-nots covered the entirety of the front lawn, the rolling fog making the lawn appear as a blue sea in the storm. Mrs. Livingston rushed out to the door, scraping the locks open, jutting herself out of the door. Madam, you'll catch a cold. Your wife cast herself upon the blanketed lawn. I hadn't ever witnessed such behavior in a human being before. It was as though a wild beast had taken possession of the woman. She crawled on all fours, ripping flowers out in clumps. Miss Duvois rushed to calm her. She attempted to hold her arms down, trying to take the flowers out of her clenched fists. Mrs. Livingston struggled violently, thrashing about in her arms. I came to the aid of Miss Dubois, and we managed to drag her back into the house. However, your wife bit Miss Dubois' arm, drawing blood and leaving marks from her teeth. The blood trickled all over the Persian rug into the entryway and all the way up the stairs. My dear sir, we had no choice. We barred her in the bedroom, locking her door and placing a steel rod against it. She pounded at the door, howling. Oh, forgive us this treatment, Mr. Livingston. We meant no harm. Miss Dubois tended her arm, wrapping a bandage around, bloodying the white linen. You don't understand. You don't understand. We heard these howls from the bedroom for the duration of our mourning. Violent sobs followed for hours. Miss Dubois watched by the door with a pained expression and weariness in her bones. She and I traded places beside the door, ensuring that your wife posed no harm to herself. Finally, a silence rang from the room, lasting for hours. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when we unlocked the door. Mrs. Livingston was squatting next to her bed, cradling a white blanket in her arms like an infant. Her hair hung about her shoulders in disarray, torn from a bun. She whispered incoherently into the blanket. We, with the door open, staring in disbelief. Your Mrs. Livingston has always been a woman of propriety, never letting those in her company see her as anything but distinguished. I had always thought of her to be an upright woman before God. I had always believed her to be benevolent. I had never questioned her as good. Dear God, Mr. Livingston, did you know? In all of my decades of service, I had never heard such a tale as the one your wife wove. 
invoking the fabrics of disdain and darkness. She saw myself and Miss Dubois standing in the doorway. Her eyes would not have been out of place in a mortuary. If asked to swear on my holy Bible that the woman was alive, I could not have brought myself to do so. Mrs. Livingston lifted her face from the blanket. Her thin lips quivered. In her agonized state, she had bitten off the top layer of flesh. Blood dripped down her chin, staining the white blanket in her arms. Miss Dubois clasped her hands over her mouth. Dear Lord in heaven, Madam, tell them who I am. A warbling hiss rippled through the room. I threw my arms around Miss Dubois' shoulders, stumbling back. Who is there? I shouted into the wooden panels of the ceiling. Tell them who I am. Mrs. Livingston bit down on a clenched fist, shaking her head violently. A black mist began to fall from the ceiling, and a small figure shrouded in darkness rose beside the bed. It was the devilish girl, cloudy red eyes illuminated in the mist. Miss Dubois screamed. The girl bent beside Mrs. Livingston's ear, gripping her shoulder with white hands. Tell them who I am. Mrs. Livingston began to weep, slamming her palms against the wooden floor, thrusting aside the bloody white bundle. Then tell them what you are. No, it's not possible. Bring not your treachery upon this woman. I leapt forward, only to be driven back by the little figure snarling at me like a cat. Please, Mrs. Livingston begged. I'm innocent. She turned her face to us, tears streaming down with a withered face. Oh, how I thought my nightmares might end. How I thought that one night might bring comfort. The girl dug her nails into Mrs. Livingston's shoulder. Your wife cried out in anguish. Finally, between sobs, she told us the cause behind this unspeakable evil. I was young. I had no choice. I had no choice. The girl threw back her head and admitted a hideous roar. I gave you away to a couple walking alongside the road where I birthed you. You were born in a field of forget-me-nots on a rainy day. Their fragrance still stings my nose with the stench of a broken soul. I was betrothed to James Livingston. My engagement would have been broken if anyone had found me out. I had no choice. You don't understand. My family had no money. I was the last hope for my parents. We would have rotted in prison. Our mouths gaped open. Our lady had not seemed capable of bearing a child. Yet alone at a young age. Oh, sir. Did you know? I was not at fault. The father of your body pushed himself upon me one night. Morris Angler. I was walking home one night when he attacked me. I wanted nothing of it. Now, I'm unable to bear children with my husband. These years since your birth have wrought only the greatest cruelty. Spare me, oh God, spare me, for I have been broken. She keeled onto the floor, sobbing. The girl extracted her hand from your wife's shoulder. The smoldering seeth of hatred slowly dissipated from her face into a look of consideration. Morris Angler. Again, the hiss echoed in our ears. He is the cause of my death. That couple treated me like a sick dog. They abandoned me. They left me to beg and starve. Morris Angler. She leaned forward over the quaking Mrs. Livingston. We shall have our revenge, mother. The creature stepped back and vanished, leaving behind a mist of blood. 
Silence drifted into the room as the last rays of the day bled through the window. Miss Dubois and I cleaned and bandaged the wounds raked on your wife's shoulder. The five gashes were deep and required stitching. Her lips will require months to recover. We called on Dr. Tarwell to come tend to her at once. We have spent our days attending to your wife at the house with trembling hands and hushed tones. Mr. Livingston, Morris Angler lives but three miles from our estate. Word has reached me that he was found dead in his barn late last night. Authorities think that he was attacked by an animal. His face had been torn through. His nether regions have been severed as well. But we know what has befallen the late Morris Angler. Oh, sir, pray that this evil reside in our town no longer. Return home to your wife, who is under the care of those who love her. She is ill with guilt and grief. She has injuries that will require months of repair and tending. She has the wound of a lifetime which will require perhaps the remainder of her lifetime to heal from. Return home to us as quickly as you are able. May God watch over you. Edgar Devois.